Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. And we're real excited today to be talking with another author. We love talking to authors. And today we have Lynn Painter on the podcast. And thank you so much, Lynn, for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I really wanted to talk to you because I don't get that excited about books that often that uh, that aren't like classics or ones that mm-hmm. uh, I, I kind of have my favorites and then sure. for me to find a new book that I really mm-hmm. like, especially in YA, mm-hmm. because I don't know, it's just usually not my favorite genre. Um, and so when I stumbled upon uh, <laughs> the better than the movies, I just enjoyed it so much. And I, I said in our romance reading wrap up, you know, that, uh, that it was one of the best books I've read in a long time. And so I was so excited that you were uh, willing to come on and talk about your experience as a writer and uh, congratulations on, uh, on the book and on your upcoming book. Thank you very much. That makes me so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I, my name is Lynn Painter. I live in Omaha, Nebraska. I have five kids. I didn't really realize I was going to be a writer until later than I think most. Yeah, I, I started, you know, my first book was Better Than the Movies, a YA. And then my first adult book comes out March 1st. And so it's kind of fun doing both. So I'm, I feel like I'm kind of at a, a fun point where I know a little bit from the first book coming out, but there's yeah. still so much I don't know. So it's kind of a fun, like every day, something new is happening situation. Yeah. So how did you end up writing the book and how did you, what was the sort of the process that you, you got it published and everything like that? Um, well, for a lot of years, you know, if you want to be traditionally published, you have to get an agent first. Mm-hmm. So, so like so many other authors for years, you spend, you essentially have to send out a query letter to get an agent. It's just like one letter that's basically like a paragraph about what your book is about. And then you send it to a million agents and hope somebody will ask to see more. So after years of kind of getting rejections and starting new books, um, I finally got an agent and she kind of the first book that I, the first YA I wrote that we submitted to publishers did not get picked up and we shelved it, but then better than the movies happened. And it was all just sort of magical. It was just one of, you know, sometimes things just seem to come together. You know, it's just, it's the kind of book I've always liked. It's the kind of story I always liked. We talked to the editor and it just was like an instant connection where I felt like she and I were on the exact same page and what we wanted from it. So it kind of, it was like a super long period to get there. And then it felt like everything just sort of fell into place pretty quickly, you know? So what inspired you said you didn't always want to be a writer. What kind of started you on that journey of, you know, trying to get an agent and trying to get uh, a book published? You know, it's the funniest thing because you hear so many writers talking about like, you know, Oh, I wrote my first book when I was like seven, you know, like always wanting to be a writer. And it's funny because I feel like I was kind of a moron because my whole life growing up, I always, I was a voracious reader. I mean, I was always reading and I loved English and writing projects were the easiest for me and I loved doing them, but somehow my brain never put all that together. So I, you know, I went to college for um, just, I, I, I went for my degree in education 
I, I didn't even finish, got married, had kids. I was a stay-at-home mom. Honestly, it was one of those things. My sister saw an author on a talk show and she said, you know, you write or you read books all the time. You should try writing a book. And it sounds inane and ridiculous that that started something, but I was like, huh, I should try that. And I, I, I wrote a terrible book, but it sort of started me on a journey of looking into it. And it was like my hobby for years. And then it got to a point where I was like, I think I really want this to be a thing. So then I went back to, um, back to college at the university in Omaha and uh, went to the writing workshop there. That it was just one of those things where I was like, oh, this is it. You know, I, I mean, I just loved every class I took, every workshop I was in. It wasn't until I had my last daughter that I just sort of really focused. I, I feel like I could have shortened the time it took for me to make it happen if I had treated it as more than just a hobby, you know, as we do, a lot of times you wait, I wish I had time to do this, you know? Yeah. And then I feel like once I had my daughter, I, I finally made time. Like I was like, okay, when she naps that two hours, I'm writing and doing nothing else. And I feel like once I made it a priority, then things started falling into place and kind of happened for me. So. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Uh, um, so do you always love like romantic books and rom-coms and romantic romance novels yes I mean I mean I like all genres like I read a lot of like mystery thrillers um and I like a lot of the classics but my go-to when I feel like like we're going on vacation and I just oh what book do I want to read I'm just a fan of the happily ever after I just always have been whether it be movies or books I just love the (laughs) rom-com yeah yeah uh, so are you a pantser or plotter? Um, I've changed. <laughs> I've, I've, I, I'm both. I, I kind of straddle both lines. I've always been a pantser. I mean, that's just kind of the way I live my life. I'm kind of an or, unorganized mess. Um, so I've always just sat down and just sort of started writing. Well, now once you get like contracts underway, you're on a little more of a schedule and you have to have like, they want to see an outline before you do this. So you kind of inevitably have to plot a little bit but I found kind of a workaround where I essentially like think of it almost like a movie individual scenes where instead of going to a detailed outline I just think like okay the first scene is going to be you know Liz is walking outside of her front door and her next door neighbor is there then the next scene she'll be at school so I'll kind of plot it out that way on big post-it notes where it'll just this is the scene but then I allow myself to pants it when I actually write the scene, you know, so, because sometimes I feel like if you over outline, I lose a little bit of that creative flow where it feels more like an assignment, like, oh, right now I need to write, you know, Wes and Liz doing this thing as opposed to going, all right, they're going to a party. What's going to happen? You know, so it's, it's kind of a, a cross between both. I think you write uh like linear or do you kind of jump around and write different scenes uh, depending on where you're inspired most of the time it's linear occasionally um I write a lot not a lot but I would say I probably write a quarter of my books in notebooks like when I'm not at home or if I'm stuck where I don't really feel that creative I'll take a notebook and I'll just start writing a scene and it seems like if you're not staring at that cursor there's a little less pressure and you just start like writing stuff. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'll get out of order if I'm somewhere, you know, if I'm like waiting for my kid to come out of school and I have a notebook 
and I won't really remember exactly where I am. I'll be like, well, I know I need to write a scene where this is going to happen. So I'll just start that and plop it in later. But for the most part, I usually write in order. So how did you get the idea for better than the movies? You know, what's weird is I don't really remember exactly. It's so weird the way writing is for me. I feel like it just kind of falls out of me a little bit. And uh, when I'm done, I'm like, whoo, that was something, you know, <laughs> but I knew I wanted to write kind of an homage to the rom-com. I mean, almost the rom-com movie, you know, the ones we all grew up on, the like 10 things I hate about mm -hmm. you and pretty in pink. I wanted it to be, you know, like the when I started writing it, it was more going to, Wes was going to be more of like the bad boy next door. And then he just sort of morphed and became a nice boy. But, <laughs> mm -hmm. but um, I think I just really, I, my goal was to write a book where I wanted it to feel more like a movie, if that makes sense, feel more like a rom-com, you know, like more cinematic, you know, I don't know if I achieved that or not, Yeah. but, um, <laughs> but that was kind of my goal. And it mm -hmm. just sort of, yeah, it was fun because so you have quotes at the beginning of each chapter from a, uh, a classic rom-com and uh, that must have been fun to put together. That was a blast. I ended up re-watching so many of the yeah. old favorites because as soon as you pull something from Notting Hill, you're like, oh, I love that. I need to watch that again, you know? So I ended up re-watching so many. And what's weird is it's like you think like there's a lot of chapters in a book. That's a lot of quotes to come up with, but I had to cut so many. Because if you think about it, I mean, you think about your favorite, you know, like Bridget Jones diary, you know, you can think of just so many good ones and whittling it down is kind of difficult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and also I just, I thought it did a really good job of having all of your romantic moments, but then also having a coming of age, you know, elements with uh, Liz trying to uh, deal with the fact that her mother's passed away, uh, you know, she's got a stepmom that she knows is a nice person, but she still kind of resents her. Uh, all of those sort of dynamics going in, not wanting to do the prom dress shopping with her friend because mm -hmm. it, her mom's not there. All that stuff I thought worked really well in conjunction with all of your sort of ro romance novel mm -hmm. uh, tropes. Well, good. You know, I wanted to, I, I don't have, you know, a lot of people are like, was, was Liz's, you know, her loss of her mother inspired by someone close to you? And it's not, but I, I know a couple of people in my life who lost their mom at an early age. And I just have thought so much about the fact that so many things in your life, when it's your mother or your father, that it just seems like closure would be almost impossible if you lose a parent at a young age, because there's so many things that come up in your life that are family in center, you know, I mean, it, it's just, um, so I wanted to touch on grief, but also kind of show how grief is fluid. You're kind of over it, but you're never over it. Yeah. And also how grief can be not happy, but, but, you know, there's something fulfilling and warm, fuzzy about knowing they're always with you while you're embarking upon this new life without them a little bit. Yeah, because one thing I don't tend to like about YA novels slash uh, slash uh, movie, young adult movies is 
I don't really like the whole sullen teenager archetype. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of times it, I feel like they don't really give enough reasons why this teenager is behaving terribly, except for the fact that she's a teenager, he or she is a teenager. <laughs> and so it just becomes kind of grating to me. Whereas yeah. I felt like this, she had real like reasons why she was being difficult, which made her mm-hmm. a a complex character uh you know she's kind of a bad friend to jocelyn she's not very nice to her stepmom but like there was there was a reason there wasn't just i'm a teenager and i'm terrible yeah and i tried to also make it you know because a lot of times all of us in our life you're doing things that, and you're aware of this is a crappy thing for me to do. And you feel bad about it. Yeah. You're just struggling with your own demons. So I tried to like, she is a bad friend to Jocelyn, but I tried to make it where she's not just being a jerk. You can see she's struggling with stuff and just doesn't want to deal with it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the, the fallout is she's a terrible friend because she's not dealing with it and she's leaving her friend out. But I think that, um, I completely agree with you as far as so many times the sullen teenager I can't read books like that because it just for this just it feels like it's like oh they're broody for the sake of being broody and I I am surrounded by teenagers in my life and most of them are not broody most of them are you know I mean we all have our moments but overall you know yeah, I was going to ask, I don't know how old your kids are, but if any of them are teenagers and you. Well, they're getting out of their teen years now when ah, I started writing this. Yeah. Like my um, oldest, or I mean, my youngest son is, he's 18. And then I've got uh, my three older than him are all in their early 20s. But at the time when I started this, I was still surrounded by teenagers all the time. <laughs> what so. do they think of the book? You know what? I honestly, the only thing two of them have read it. They both liked it. (laughs) You know, it's one of those things where, you know, my 23 year old, he's just a little busy and he loves me and he's super happy for things that are happening, but he just doesn't really sit down and read a rom-com. Right. From USA Today's bestselling author, Jenny Hale, comes a story about second chances, family bonds, and finding out who we really are. Butterfly Sisters is the perfect escape for fans of Susan Wiggs, Rayanne Thane, and Susan Mallory. A heartwarming story that will have you laughing, crying, and rushing to those you hold dear. If you loved the Christmas movies based on Jenny's books and are looking for more feel-good, small-town romance, look no further. Available wherever you purchase books or download audiobooks. Find out more at itsjennyhale.com. That's itsjennyhale.com. Well, yeah, and I I really liked uh, all of all of the characters, but I liked that both Wes and Mike were good guys. Like you were saying that Wes started out as kind of a bad guy, and they talk about that in the book. You know that mm-hmm. oh, you're not really a bad guy. I thought you were the bad guy, but uh, but I I just I really liked both of those characters. Sometimes they make the other guy they make him a jerk because you want her to be with the right. you know the main guy but um but i liked both wes and mike i i i thought they were really fun well and i thought it, it's funny how you start out and and you have flat characters and as you're writing they sort of take on their own lives and initially the story was going to be you know she wants to land this guy she loved as a kid so she has to go to the bad boy you know who teases her next door 
but then the more I wrote West, the more I just couldn't help but making him the fun teasing way, you know, the flirty, yeah. hilarious teasing way where you're like, oh my gosh, he's really actually the sweetest boy ever underneath his picking on her exterior, you know? And then Michael was the same thing where at first I think, I, I honestly, Michael was very flat. He was just an idea of the guy she wanted to catch. But then it kind of became fun to make him like, let's make him a good guy where where no one can hate him because he's nice. Kind of like, um, why can't I think of her name? Lainey, um, the girl who also likes Michael that Liz, you know, sees as her nemesis through most of the book. All of a sudden I got to a point where I'm like, but you know what would be fun? It would be fun to see if Liz always thought of her as one way. And then when she actually gets to know her, Lainey is nice too. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. That, I mean, that's what you want. You want dynamic characters. Uh, and I feel like a lot of times books in these genres don't have those characters and uh, it made it fun. I also really liked kind of the take on the, the makeover, you know, mm-hmm. that, uh, that he, in the end likes her better without all of the, the makeover advice that he'd given earlier. That was really cute. And I kind of wondered too, if, if Wes kind of gave bad advice <laughs> because he didn't want her to. Yeah. I mean, I think that Wes, he liked her, obviously he liked her exactly how she was. You know, he mm-hmm. loves the little weirdy that she always has been, but when she wanted to land Michael, I think he legitimately was like, well, if you're trying to land that guy, the girls that he's hanging around look like this. So I think he's trying to be helpful, but he also doesn't really necessarily want or expect her to change that way. And I thought it was fun too, because it's weird. I think that like uh, growing up, I loved the makeover movies, you know, when you like the princess diaries and, you know, when you see them and all of a sudden they're beautiful and everybody loves them. There's something fun about that. And then the older I get, the more I'm like, but why didn't he notice her before that? You know? Mm-hmm. So, so it's like, I tried to play both ends where you can sort of play with a little bit of fun of having her look a little different, but also making it clear that he always saw her even when she was, you know, the little weirdo down the street. So how did you get the idea for the checks to be kind of a, a, a big part of that? You know, the, I swear, I don't know if all writers are like this, but so many things start out as a little, for me, a little random idea and then just kind of blow up. Like, I just thought it would be funny if he was, you know, she's into flower dresses and cute flats and, you know, like a Kate Spade type style. And I just thought it would be funny if he's like, you need a pair of chucks and buys them for her. But then it just sort of became something more, something symbolic that is a Liz Westing. And I don't, I don't know. It's just, it was good. And uh the so i loved the the kiss the kiss scene was so good what was that like to write (laughs) well you know what's funny is so many things change in edits the first kiss in initially um he walked her to her door after the after where were they that night oh after being at um michael's house kissed her on the porch and then i don't remember why that changed but then it became you know the car getting in a crash and the kiss but I thought it was super fun to write yeah but it's really hard sometimes because it's like 
writing a kiss and I've discovered I, I think this all the time even with adult romance too is like first of all a kiss is a kiss I mean you read about them a thousand times so you want to write it somehow where it means something but you also I you know <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to start writing about tongues and things that don't sound, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff about kissing that is great in practice, but describing it isn't right. that pretty, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I liked the fact that she was the one that went for it and she kind of knew that he wasn't going to ever do that. And, uh, and she, when it first starts, she's like, oh, I can pretend that I just fell on him or something like that. <laughs> My mouth fell on his yeah. mouth. <laughs> yeah. I thought, cause I thought too, I thought that would be a fun thing since Wes is a good guy and he's always liked her. She realizes that he's not going to kiss me because he knows I would never want him to kiss me. So she realized she's going to have to do it. But I love that minute where she's like, Oh my God, because I think we would all be in that situation. You know, when all of a sudden you make that move and there's no response, you'd be like, oh, what have I done? So I thought that was, that was fun to write. Yeah. I had I a blast really, writing that scene. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, I liked that you brought in the tropes and you talked about them. That worked so well with, uh, especially with it, it going back to her watching these movies with her mother and so she has this idea about romance and, and, uh, that, you know, this, oh, are we actually enemies to lovers after all? That was so cute. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was fun. Cause you know, we all love the tropes or people who love romance. You love all the tropes. Everybody uh -huh. has their thing. Like I love enemies to lovers or I love only one better, whatever the trope is. Um, but they can get stereotypical. So I thought it would be really fun to let's bring in as many tropes as we can, and let's have them talk about them. You know, let's have her correcting him about tropes. You know, I thought that would be yeah. kind of a fun way to attack that. <laughs> I also liked when she says that Wes was a Mark Darcy, only better. <laughs> <laughs> he was. She thought Michael was Mark Darcy. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> He's not the Daniel Cleaver after all. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so you have a soundtrack list at the end mm -hmm. of the book. Were, were those songs you actually listened to as you were writing? They became that way. Like when it's, it's so, when I first started writing the book, it was just, um, Liz kind of liked music. And then it sort of became like, she really likes music and, and she picks out a song for every scene. And then it became like, she even wants a career in this. So then I started making the playlist. So I'd say about halfway through it is when I really started like I had those songs selected and then I started listening to it a lot. So now any of those songs, when I hear them, they no longer remind me of the things they used to. Yeah. <laughs> and they just remind me of writing this. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was fun. Uh, well, I, like I said, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was just such a, a fun read. I really loved Wes and uh, Liz. And uh, I, like I thought it had some layers I was just really invested as I read and and uh it it's it doesn't happen every day that I find a I'm book so that I, thank you. I really enjoyed and we'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast it's the Hallmarkies merch store are you looking for that perfect gift for the postable hardy or Hallmarkie in your life what about getting that t-shirt or hoodie that will help you stand out at your next holiday party now is the time to check out the Hallmarkies merch store 
full of festive designs by artists like Jessica Miller, Carrie from Walmart Comics, and more. You can even have more than just shirts, but totes, cell phone cases, notebooks, mugs, and more. And it isn't just Hallmark. We have designs for Anna Green Gables, Man from Snowy River, The Nanny, and more. Every purchase at the merch store goes to help support the podcast and allows us to make the great content you know and love. There are frequent sales, so go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies or see the link in the description. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies. So you have a new book coming out. Uh, what Mr. Wrong Number, March 1st. I'm not sure when I'm going to post this, so it might be after, it might be before. But um, uh, tell us a little bit about it. Okay, it's an adult rom-com. And the main character, Olivia Marshall, she's kind of a mess. She just uh, has hit her rock bottom. She literally burned down her apartment building, um, accidentally, of course. So now she had to move back home and um, she's moving in with her brother and his roommate for a month just while she gets, you know, her stuff, since all of her stuff mm-hmm. burned down. So she gets a job and gets her life back together. And she's having a moment where she's all by herself having a breakdown about how terrible things is. Things are, I'm sorry. And she gets a wrong number text. She looks at her phone and she gets a text that just says, tell me exactly what you're wearing. Now she's a little tipsy and in the middle of a breakdown. And she's like, who is this person? So she responds like, your mother's wedding dress and her favorite thong or something, you know, like obnoxious like that. And then um, it starts them off where he's like, who is this? And it starts an anonymous texting relationship between, excuse me, between these two, where it's just fun banter. They don't want to ever know who the other one is. It's completely anonymous. And it's just a constant stream of texting banter, essentially. But about halfway through the book, you find out that she actually, the person who is her Mr. Wrong number, is her brother's roommate that she's living with at the time, who has always been her brother's best friend, who has always teased her and she doesn't really love. So so that's kind of the premise of the book. That's cute. How did you get the idea for that? You know, it started as I read a story about uh, a thing that a while back people were doing where they were called number neighbors. Where people like if your phone number was like three seven six five, somebody would text the three seven six four and just be like, "Hey, number neighbor," and and just like one of those stupid viral things that happens yeah. in a little timepiece. And so when I started out, I told my agent, "I'm like, it'd be really funny to write a story about somebody who does that and you know starts a relationship with a number neighbor, and then somehow that progressed into just a wrong number, and that became the thing." So how do you decide to? do a an adult romance as opposed to a YA you know I've always read adult romance and YA but probably more adult than YA and um honestly it was just one of those things my agent brought up because the way it works is when you get a publishing contract um like if, if you get a contract and it's for two books most publishers have a clause where they have the option to look at your next work first but that option is usually sitting on like six months after your second book is accepted. So basically what happens is you can't write anything else YA for like two years because they aren't going to look at it till then. So my agent just said, you're kind of tied up in YA for a while. Have you ever thought about writing an adult rom-com? And this is right in the heart when the pandemic started. Once I got that idea, it was just one of those things where I don't know what it was about that idea, but I wrote it in like two months. Like it just 
poured right out of me and it was just fun and it was kind of magical. <laughs> That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I admire anybody who finishes a book. That's incredible. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things, honestly. I have so <clears throat> many unfinished books. And then once you get to the other side, it just the more you do it, the more you figure out how to finish it is is the only difference, honestly. It's just I have so many that I didn't finish. Yeah. How do you come up with the names of your characters? Okay. This is really, I should be ashamed of myself. It's just lazy. Like so many people put so much thought and especially like in fantasy books, right. you know, there's all these amazing names and, and everything. I literally on a lot of these, I will look over here. What's a name? What's a name? And I'll just look at the authors on like there, like Liz Buxbaum. I just looked at it because Buxbaum is the last name of Julie Buxbaum who wrote a book on my shelves. <laughs> it's so sad. That's funny. It's, it's all completely random most of the time. There are a few exceptions, but most of the time it's just that I'm lazy. Of the different tropes, do you think there's one that's harder to execute than others? You know, enemies to lovers, best friends to lovers. Uh, second chance romance, all those, those different ones. You know, I think it would be hard and I've never tried these. I think that the love triangle doing it the right way would be incredibly hard to pull off because a good love triangle, the main character really doesn't know who to choose. Yeah. And so then you have to write relationships and chemistry. And then There's I don't know. Kind I of a love triangle. To Mike kind West of, and Liz. It's, it's a lopsided one because you always know, <clears throat> even though it's a love triangle, you kind of, there's not a mystery. I don't think on who she's going to pick. Hmm. I feel like that's but, usually the case though. Don't you think? Yeah. And that's what I, I mean. mean. I, I think it would be really impossible to write a love triangle where you can't decide, you know? Yeah. We, we always knew it was going to be team Edward. I think there's no, <laughs> I literally just thought of that one because I was like, I can't believe there were people who wanted the wolf. <laughs> can't think of his name. Taylor Lautner, whatever. Jacob, yeah. Yes, Jacob. But it's like, <laughs> even though they threw that in, you were like, no, it's never been the same. It's not Edward. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, we like to end our interviews with some fun, silly questions. <clears throat> what is the best ice cream flavor? Chocolate. I'm so boring. Okay, good. That's it. Plain chocolate. <laughs> what is your favorite color? Black. Okay. I'm so sorry. I thought, it, no, I thought it might be red because of your books. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Uh, what music are you into right now? Oh, um, I'm super into Poppy and I've been just replaying all the new Taylor Swift so much. They re-released the Red album and stuff. I, well, and my problem is too, is I start making these playlists to go along with books I'm reading. So then I get super sucked into that. So normally organically, I don't know if those are the songs I'd be choosing, but like right now I just finished making a playlist for the do-over. So it's all kind of music to go along with that book. So do you have a playlist on Spotify mm-hmm. or so we should put that if people can check out your playlist. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah send me the links and yeah, I will. Cause it's got better in the movies. And then there were bonus better than the movie chapters that just became available if you pre-order or request from the library, the do-over, which comes out in December, you get uh, five bonus chapters of Wes and Liz's college road trip, like when they drive from Omaha to LA. 
And so I made a playlist for that. So that's on there too. And the do over. So can you tell us anything about that book at all? Do over. Oh yeah. That is, um, it's, it's essentially like a groundhog's day, um, day on repeat situation. It's I think one of my favorites so far. It's, it's the main character, Emily. She has the worst Valentine's day ever. She sees her boyfriend kiss somebody else. She finds out her parents are splitting apart. There's something. Oh, she loses scholarship and she wrecks her car. It's like, everything is terrible. And then she goes to bed and she wakes up and it's the same day over and over. Oh, I love time And then she finally, after all these repeating days, she has the day of no consequences. That always happens in these movies. You know, there's that one day where you're like, none of this counts. So she takes her dad's car and gets it impounded because she's driving like a hundred miles an hour going to school. She breaks up with her boyfriend over the school intercom. She does all this stuff. She gets a tattoo. And then she wakes up and it's morning on the 15th and she has to face all the stuff she did on that day. So it's a super, I love book right now. It's super fun. Honestly, that's, it was- That's a clever by, take on the time loop. You know what? They usually was, don't get stopped. And that, right, well, that's that kind of right. I don't remember how it popped into my mind, but I'm like, it would be fun after that day to yeah. have to face the consequence. I actually saw on like this free form or one of those channels, it was like a Hallmark type of movie. It was- um. The girl from Just Friends and the boy from Oh, it was called Dates of Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah that was where, where she yeah, sprays the perfume and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was watching that and that it just occurred to me when I was watching it the day where I'm like, it'd be really fun to do one where where she has to face the consequences. So that's coming out in December. So that one's cute. a YA. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is your go-to date night food? And we've been saying lately, like your, um, uh, your go-to, um, uh, DoorDash order. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I have hamburgers and French fries all the time. I eat like a second grader. Like all I want is a hamburger and French fries or spaghetti every day, my whole life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. What is your favorite go-to date night activity when you, when we can get out of the house again? Like I remember, yeah. <laughs> I've been married so long. I honestly, I, my husband and I really have fun. He, I married somebody where he's like a Wes, where he's just funny, just fun. So honestly doing anything with him is hilarious. I love when we just go downtown, like when the weather's nice out and you just go hang out downtown where you walk around, you know, grab a drink outside or something. But I can't remember what that feels like. I think I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Which do you prefer dogs or cats? cats. I'm sorry. Not that many cats, cat answers. So that's good. Uh, which do you prefer beaches or mountains? Oof, that's a tough call because it's winter right now. Yeah. Mountains. I I'm mountains, but I'd like to go to a beach today. Uh, (laughs) would you rather be in a fancy dress or sweats? Sweats for sure. (laughs) Okay. All right. What's your favorite holiday to celebrate? Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard to beat Christmas because it's like an entire season. Yes. And that's you know? exactly. And there's so many things that fit into it. Like Valentine's mm-hmm. day. It's just one day of like right. chocolates <laughs> or something where Christmas you've got getting the tree, putting out yeah. the tree, watching the movie. There's so many things. <laughs> All right. Last question. What is your favorite Hallmark or romantic movie? I know this is your book is all about romantic movies. It's going to be tough. I always struggle with that one. Um, Maybe a top three. <laughs> well, I love the classics when Harry met Sally and 
You've Got Mail are like the canon. They're always yeah. my favorite. Bridget Jones Diary, I love. Yeah, I could just do this all day. While you were sleeping, I'm just going to sit here and say oh. all of them because I couldn't choose. It's like Sophie's Choice. Those are some of the best. No uh, no yeah. question. Good <laughs> home Alabama. Now they're all just popping in my mind. Well, and I liked that in the book, you didn't have only the expected ones. Like you had something like Long Shot and uh-huh. you know, movies like that that might be a little bit more obscure. I like all of them. Have you watched Book of Love yet? I'm dying to see that. Yes, we actually, uh, we, if you listen to our Valentine's Day episode, we reviewed it. You did? Did you like it? Mm-hmm. I liked the premise more than the execution. Oh, that's what I, I was know, afraid of. I know. It's such a great premise. I know. Oh. It's not awful. It's, it's, it's watchable, but there were just some things that I didn't love about the story and the chemistry yeah. wasn't quite there for me. But, um, like, I felt like, so basically, not that we get too into this, but like, <laughs> I, so this, the basic story is that he, she has rewritten his book to uh-huh. be like a, you know, sexy book, an erotica book. And the problem I had with that is I felt like the movie didn't ever acknowledge that what she did was wrong. Like, even if you think you're improving the book, even if everybody thinks you're improving the book, it's still wrong. It's still wrong. That's very true. And and so I think I would have liked it better if she had admitted and apologized at one point and that would have made their romance more believable because she would have been more vulnerable and realized that. And um, so I, I that's where it kind of lost me. And like, so the chemistry wasn't quite there, but I do think, and when I talked about this in the episode, I think that Sam Claflin has major next Hugh Grant potential really I do yeah it's funny I saw the preview and I'm like what is that guy from I started thinking I'm like that's a Finnick it's Finnick oh my god (laughs) because I mean he was in me before you which I absolutely hated well Uh, I wasn't it wasn't his premise it wasn't his fault I just thought it was an atrocious novel and an atrocious when I saw when I saw the ending when I was like reading about it I'm like how is that no no (laughs) So I didn't ever see it. Yeah, we read it for book club and mm-hmm. I was furious. <laughs> I was just like, this is trash. I hate it. And uh, it was our most fiery book club exchange. <laughs> well, that's great. <laughs> I know. I think Jojo Mize is not a very good writer. Sorry. Well, no, no. I just. I think she's kind of terrible. And the fact that uh, I just hated that book. I, I hated the story. <laughs> I hated I hated the movie. Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but I I I think that that in the right scripts, I think he has a lot of potential. I really do. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, he's got that kind, of, got that kind said... of foppish British charm. Oh, see, and I love that. I do too. Yeah. Nobody yeah. beats it's like Hugh Grant. No, I don't care what he does in his personal life. Nobody can deliver banter. Yeah. the way Hugh Grant does the self-deprecating yeah. Yeah. British way he's got is just yeah. magical it's it, I, I mean, two I, weeks notice yeah. nobody could beat his <laughs> oh anyway sorry yeah no I mean and I love Notting Hill I think that that is such a great script it is. I it's so well done mm-hmm. especially love one of my favorite scenes in like any movie is the whole scene when they're at the birthday party and they're all the group of friends that feels so authentic and so yeah. well written to me. Totally. It feels like the way people actually would interact yes. with their friends. 
Right. Totally. Mm-hmm. It's oh, so good. I love that. And I do it. also love in while you were sleeping, the, uh, the dinner scene. That's yeah. so well done. <laughs> now we're going to have to go rewatch all yeah. those movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beef and Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah it's it's uh it, you'll have to let me know what you think go you should still watch book of love and let me know what you think because it did have cute moments and i said i liked the overall idea and yeah. i liked the one thing i one of the things i did like about it was that i like him kind of coming in coming to grips with with erotica and with the way that it first he's very dismissive of it and dismissive of the women who love it and by the end of the movie he does kind of come around to see like okay i get it i get why okay well that's good because that's always an issue i have with romance is just that everybody who hasn't read it always likes to be like oh it's a romance mm-hmm. novel like it's right. lesser and so many like if you read like julia quinn and lisa mm-hmm. Kleppis and some of those i mean those are monster novels that are so good and the characterization is so amazing yeah it's you know well i mean so often people are threatened by female sensuality or fem- you know mm-hmm. <laughs> the female Absolutely. gaze is very threatening to a lot of people yes when uh that it shouldn't be you know and no. in most especially most movies are made for 17 to 24 year old uh boys and so uh, when you get something that tries to kind of grapple with women and femininity uh i think it's 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 good that's good well there's just no place for that <laughs> right <laughs> if they're not in a <laughs> if, they're, if they're not in a superhero right. movie, <laughs> you don't need it if you can fit into, into a marvel movie sure we'll take it. <laughs> yeah yeah well very good well thank you so much for coming and talking with us this was a blast and why don't you tell people where they can follow you on social media and where they can get your, uh, when they can get your new book. Okay. Um, my Instagram is, uh, Lynn Painter Kirkle and, um, that did, that is impossible. I need to change that Lynn Painter Kirkle. Um, and my, um, Twitter is at LA painter books and Mr. Wrong number comes out on March 1st and the do over comes out December 6th. So very good. Well, thanks so much. And uh, you can find me at Rachel's Reviews all over social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Round Tomatoes. And make sure you're all following the podcast at Hallmarkies Pod and Hallmarkies Podcast all over social media. And if you are listening on iTunes, please leave us your ratings and reviews. That helps us so much. And if you are watching on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We appreciate that so much. We also have our patron group and merch store. So take a look at that. And thanks so much, Lynn. This was a blast. Uh, And uh, yeah, we'll look forward to reading your new book. Awesome. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye.